the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. King Charles III officially announced now as Britain's monarch in a ceremony steeped in tradition. A number of senior politicians and other officials gathering earlier in the day at James Palace in London for the ceremony. It is the first time that ceremony has been held since 1952 when Queen Elizabeth II took the throne. In the meantime, palace officials now say the state funeral for Queen Elizabeth will take place September 19th at Westminster Abbey after the public gets an opportunity to pay their last respects. Hurricane Kay losing steam off the coast of Southern California. However, forecasters say the storm is dumping quite a bit of rain, sometimes very heavy, in Southern Cal and Western Arizona. This is SRN News. Sideline Sanity with Michelle Tafoya. Seems as though every generation thinks... Oh, you don't you don't understand. You don't know history. You don't no one's being taught about slavery. And it's like I learned about it in second grade. I'm, it's almost this notion that each generation thinks there hasn't been enough attention paid. And so we see more and more of a focus on it. Streaming on Apple Podcasts and Salem Podcast Network dot com. AM 1280, The Patriot. Hey, check out our September Regnery Book of the Month, which is Debunking the 1619 Project, Exposing the Plan to Divide America by Mary Graybar. Sign up to win an autographed copy at the Freedom Fan Club at am1280thepatriot.com. Regnery Publishing is a division of Salem Media Group. Hour 2 of the Narn with Mitch Berg is next right here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. <laughs> now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing. The shining spot of red in the sea of dingy, dismal, moldy, institutional blue. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. My name is Mitch Berg. My blog, Shot in the Dark, that info. My broadcast, the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 18 and a half years strong now. Halfway towards the 19th anniversary, which means... Again, we have to get that 10th anniversary party going. Actually, I'm, maybe I'll just hold out and do them both at the 20th anniversary, God willing. We'll see. Uh, or maybe I'll just do both. I mean, we haven't had a get-together in forever. It's high time we did that. Maybe I'll talk with Jack and King and Brad, and we can see if we can get something going. Because 
Boy, if there's ever a time conservatives needed to actually get out and meet other people of uh, of similar point of view, it's now. Uh, conservatism is, as we observed in the early years of the Northern Alliance radio network back in 2004, 2006, it tends to be a real solitary thing. It tends to be something you do at home alone, filling out a check, maybe going to a, to a fundraiser once in a blue moon, but usually not. Usually something you do once every two years because... Politics isn't your life. You're diligent about voting, perhaps, but it's not a social thing for you. And that, that's a good thing for the most part, because unlike most Democrats, at least the progressives that, that vex us so much, uh, politics is not your life. You've got businesses. You've got families. You've got lives outside of this wretched exercise we call politics. Problem with politics, as some of my anarcho-libertarian friends uh, keep missing, is that you don't have to care about or participate in politics it's going to come for you anyway hence we need to get involved hence being involved should be as unonerous as possible which is why we need to get we need to have a get together we just do because if we don't if conservatism doesn't start making a showing a much better showing in this state uh then you're going to have more scenes like this uh, this past week, uh, week, as as Democrat rule festers in Minneapolis, uh, it, it, it just keeps getting worse. I mean, you thought, could it get worse than it was in 2020, 2021? Yeah, of course it is. Uh, last uh, This last weekend was Minneapolis Community Safety Commissioner Cedric Alexander's one-month anniversary on the job. And it was the deadliest day he'd seen so far. Uh, there were nine shootings in the space of five hours uh, on that day. And this, this would have been on uh, the September 9th, just a couple days ago uh, in, in Minneapolis. The September 9th, September 8th was his, uh, was his anniversary. And that same day, nine people shot in five hours. It got so bad that the Minneapolis police sent out a notice saying they were holding all non emergency calls if you were calling the police about anything that wasn't a homicide or a robbery in progress they were not promising they were going to send a police to uh, uh, the police to your call at all at all nine people shot two dead in the course of five hours including a 16 year old uh alexander spoke with a lesser uh radio station on the issue this past week quote <clears throat> We have some serious issues in our community, particularly with young people and, and violence, he said. I happen to be in the homicide department earlier today. Let me tell you, those guys are all over it, but, you know, the cases keep coming. Nobody doubts, by the way, that the homicide department is cranking away on this bad boy, on the, on the, on the avalanche of violence that Minneapolis has become. Of course, unless the prosecutors actually start prosecuting people and putting them in jail for threatening public safety, uh, it's all for naught. Uh, and unless they start putting people in jail for the lesser crimes that eventually uh, sap the respect for the will of law to the point where you get situations like you have in Minneapolis with gangs shooting it out in public all over the place, then it's all wind in sails. I'm bringing this up because the deflection and gaslighting that comes from the left in defense of their regimes in places like Minneapolis should make you sick. 
Uh, going back to this uh, piece from CB from uh, Channel Four, uh, the gas station. Uh, a gas station sits across the street from Merwin's Liquors. It's the winter gas station in North Minneapolis, and that particular intersection with uh, with winter gas across the street from Merwin's Liquors seems to be the nexus of an awful lot of crime. Channel Four says community leaders criticize both locations for being a hotspot for crime. And I quote, all the gun violence going on here, it has to stop. It has to stop, said Tralisa McRae, whose 24-year-old son was one of four shot outside winter gas Thursday evening. Four of the nine people shot. Uh, another act, uh, another member, uh, Donna Anderson of A Mother's Love, said, these two businesses have been implicit for some of the things going on, said Anderson of A Mother's Love during a rally on Friday morning. There's no way you should be able to keep your license for business and with this much violence going on around your business. Cedric Alexander echoed the call for responsibility for business owners. Quote, everyone has the responsibility as business owners to do more and to do better, he said. Yes, they have legal rights in which they stand on. But also the citizens who come in and out of their businesses have a right to be safe. Do something better, Alexander said. You see the violence that takes place in and around your business. Take an effort to do something. That's the the, the head of public safety in the city of Minneapolis. And I've run across this before. Uh, During the riots, uh, for the year or two before the riots, there was a gas station on University at Hamlin. It's no longer there. It got it was shut down just before the riots uh, by the city because it was the center. Uh, it was the jumping off point for an awful lot of crime. Now, it was like a lot of businesses up and down university. It was run by immigrants, a family from, I believe, Egypt. And they, like a lot of immigrant-run businesses, ran on kind of a tight margin. I mean, nobody nobody gets rich running a gas station. Well, they worked away at it hard, but the gas station was a place where a lot of drug dealing took place. There are a number of shootings there over the years, at least one murder. Uh, Denisha Gillum, a a two-year-old baby shot in the back of a car by a couple of gangbangers who thought they were shooting at a rival. Two-year-old girl died. This is about eight blocks from my house, by the way. This is in 1997, but the violence never really went away. And the neighborhood NIMBYs said, well, we've got to do something about this. And, and if you run a business, uh, the, the lesson for the owner of that particular gas station, like the owners of Winter Gas in North Minneapolis or the Mer- uh, Merwin Liquor across the street, are this. So what do you do? I mean, if you're the owner of the store, you're going to go up against a, a bunch of randos who might be armed and might kill you for getting in their face. It's a tall order. You might hire security guards, which, by the way, are expensive, especially the kind of guards who actually will work at a place like Winter Gas or Merwin's Liquors in North Minneapolis on a Friday and Saturday night or early Saturday and Sunday morning. I mean, you're talking pretty much having to hire off-duty cops, which is pretty much a guarantee of paying 80 bucks an hour for that extra security if you can get them which is a huge hit to your bottom line. And 
let's just say hypothetically that you hire the security guards. Unless they're an off-duty cop, what are they going to do? I mean, unless you're an off-duty cop who has arrest powers and a fair chance that the rest of the department is going to come to their aid if they give you a call, if you hire a rent-a-cop, a a private security guard who's not a sworn officer, what are they going to do? Other than trying to deter people from miscreancy, they're going to call the police, who, let's remember, largely aren't responding and sometimes won't respond at all unless there's a current danger to the public going on then and there. I mean, for shoplifters, for vagrancy, for prostitution, for all of the little quality of life crimes, for urinating against the wall, the cops aren't going to come and uh, come around. All the little lifestyle crimes, quality, not lifestyle, all the little quality of life crimes that lead to the degradation of the rule of law that leads to places like these stores turning into havens of miscreancy and 'er ne'er-do-wellism start from the inability to get public safety applied to them by, by normal means without having to hire private armies. That little gas station on University Avenue didn't have the funds to, to employ a, a, a group of people who were there to able to physically deter crime at any level. Calling the police only does any good if the police actually show up and do something. And that only does any good if the county attorney will make this response stick in any way, shape, or form, which they don't. So unloading this as Cedric Alexander, the public safety czar in Minneapolis, is trying to do is the lowest form of gaslighting, saying businesses can can need to step up and do something about this. Okay, so they, they hire a couple of security guards to show some some sign of deterrence. It's going to take about one evening for the ne'er-do-wells and miscreants to figure out that, that the threat is completely hollow. That the security guards, unless they are off-duty cops, which, by the way, the department is cutting down on overtime and they're short on officers as it is. I mean, all the offer, overtime they're putting in, they're putting in actually driving routes for the city, not, not on private security time. The rent cops aren't going to be able to do anything because they're calling the same overworked police department that can't show up when the owners call the police. And if they show up and they throw someone in the who's gal for some quality of life crime to say nothing of shoplifting, they'll be out on the street the next day. And they won't show up for trial. The bench warrants will never be enforced. If they are, it'll be just in the, as, as a side of effect of them being eventually maybe pulled over for some other crime. This is the level of gaslighting you get when big government doesn't get its way. When we come back, let's talk about things we could learn from monarchies. Go nowhere. We'll be right back.
sightseeing in Paris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to AM 1280, The Patriot, at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Hi, I'm Kendall. I was young, single, barely getting by and facing an unplanned pregnancy. How was I going to take care of a baby when I could barely take care of myself? I was faced with a decision, stop the pregnancy or bring a baby into my crazy circumstances. That's when my sister found Robbinsdale Women's Center. They welcomed me with no judgment and changed my perspective on being a mom. They gave me the hope and confidence I needed. At my 20-week ultrasound, I was shocked to see two heartbeats. I will be forever grateful for everyone at RWC. My twin boys, Sean and Christian, are my biggest blessings. Our goal at Robbinsdale Women's Center is to give accurate information on all pregnancy choices. All services are provided at no cost with no government funding. We rely on people like you who value women and their unborn babies. Since 1992, thousands of babies have been given the gift of life. Please donate today at rwcinfo.org. Thank you for helping our mom, RWC. The Patriot is proud to air the Pledge of Allegiance every weekday morning. If you're a veteran, current service member, or a first responder, we would like to honor your service by having you recite the pledge. If you're interested, please call us today and we'll book a time for you to visit our studios. The number is 651-289-4410. That's 651-289-4410. Then join us for the pledge each weekday morning at 730. When should you start collecting your Social Security? How you answer this question will be the difference in the success or failure of your retirement. Tune in to Money Matters with Alan Mike this week. They'll be sharing Social Security tips from the basics of the program to strategies to maximize your payments. Alan Mike will help you sort out this important but often misunderstood part of your retirement income plan. Listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, noon Saturday on AM 1280 The Patriot, or call them now at 855-231-6010. As a former congressman and the ranking member on the Judiciary Committee of the U.S. House of Representatives, Doug Collins knows what it means to fight for what he believes. And on every episode of the Doug Collins podcast, he'll explore all topics from politics to life advice and blend them together for a well-rounded discussion that you can use to get the most out of your life. The Doug Collins podcast. Subscribe today on Apple, Google, Spotify, and at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. GodTube.com. Inspiration, comedy, music, faith, and fun. Get the best of GodTube every morning and start your day with a smile. Great faith-based videos sent to your inbox daily when you subscribe at GodTube.com, a division of Salem Media Group. AM 1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Hey, don't forget... Stock and Barrel Hunting Forecast, courtesy of Stock and Barrel, Minnesota's premier shooting range. Two locations, Chen Hassan and my personal favorite, Egan. Northern Alliance Radio Network. AM 12A, The Patriot. <laughs> I'm going to guess they're going to have to turn this song over to God Save the King now that, uh, that the, we have... A, a, another monarch for the first time in my lifetime, indeed for the first time in 70 years, uh, England has a new monarch. It's, it's, it's a bizarre notion for me because Queen Elizabeth has literally been the Queen of England, the Queen of the, the, the reigning monarch over the entire British Commonwealth, 56 nations, which, by the way, I had no idea it was that many. I mean, I follow this stuff. I'm a, I'm a 
bit of an Anglophile, and I didn't know there were 56 nations in the Commonwealth, uh, ranging from uh, <laughs> ranging from tiny islands in the uh, in the in the Caribbean to India. And Australia and Canada, I mean, they're all over the place. Britain was a monarchy, an empire that's, they, about which they once used to say, the sun never sets on it. And the Commonwealth is still that. And Queen Elizabeth is the fact that we still talk in terms of a British Commonwealth. Uh, of course, it's been in all the headlines. She passed away on, I believe it was Wednesday this past week here. And it was, it was... It was a big deal, and I'll, I'll say why. Now, you've got people on both sides more or less be clowning themselves in discussing the, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, the ones on the left, of course, are their usual snide, spiteful, venomous selves. I mean, you, you have a number of phenomenally badly in, uh, informed people. I think there was one Mount Holyoke professor who said, Queen Elizabeth died, good riddance. Uh, with her history of colonialization, to which, to America's credit, about 100,000 people responded, you, you know that, that she presided over the the bring, <laughs> the end of the British Empire and the end of colonialism, right? And Ben Shapiro discussed this at great depth on the show late last week. He said, yeah, I mean, you look at the, objectively at the history of the British Empire, like all colonial powers— there were some, there was plenty of ugliness and and some uncountable atrocities that went along with this. As by the way, goes along with the history of all government of all types. But the aftermath of the British Empire, being honest and allowing for the fact that those atrocities and and that history of ugliness happened both in the history of colonialism and. Let's be honest, the history of monarchies in general. I mean, you got to be honest about the fact that, that the atrocities did happen. For starters, the British monarchy, like all of the world's monarchies, uh, started out not as pomp and circumstance and ruffles and flourishes and uh, mounted guards in front of carriages, but it, it started out more or less like an episode of Game of Thrones with essentially the king being more or less the equivalent of a godfather in a mafia family or a group of mafia families, basically the one that was able to kill off enough of the other pretenders to the throne to to stick for a while. I mean, if you look at the history of the British monarchy going back into the uh, 10th and 11th centuries, you'll find that the King of England changes in some, some cases six, seven, eight times a year for decades Several times a year for decades, dozens of kings, each of them killing off the one before, each of them being killed off by the one after, over and over again. And it wasn't until some of the kings developed enough power to get all you know, to kill all of the dukes and barons that were going to try and kill them first that you have reigns lasting more than months to say nothing of years to say nothing of decades as we've become accustomed to in the last 150 years or so in the in the British actually 200 years in the British Empire the that's I mean royal families all of them wherever they are started out as essentially mob mafia wars just ending up with a little more pomp and circumstance once the 
bloodshed was over. I mean, you look at, at the history of the royal family through the 11 and 1200s, even when kings like Henry II started holding on for, for longer than, than hours uh, on the throne, it, it's still stories of immense bloodshed and, and horrific uh, miscreancy uh, within families even. I mean, look at, look at the excuses that they used to chop each other's heads off. I mean, the story of Henry VIII was by no means unusual. Killing off five of his six wives was not 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 the, the most grotesque example of of the sort of things kings did back then and that's even a rabbit hole compared to the main issue which is all these leftists saying well look at the history of colonialism yeah and and by the way england did colonize more successfully than any of the other uh, european powers although all of them did it you look back through history, and I'm not even talking ancient history. I mean, even within the last 150 years, the colonial powers in Europe included France, Spain, Portugal, the Netherlands, Germany. Oh, yeah, they had an empire stretching from Africa to China up until the end of World War I. There was a German empire that spanned a good half of the globe, <clears throat> the Dutch maintained an empire, still has some outposts in the Caribbean, by the way. Uh, the Portuguese were particularly brutal colonizers. The Dutch in the East Indies, what's now Indonesia, were some fairly awful colonists. The French, much of the problem, many of the problems that you have in much of sub-Saharan Africa and Vietnam, Southeast Asia, stems from the fact that the French were such incredibly brutal colonists and the worst of all, perhaps, little old Belgium, the country that gave us Belgian chocolate, white beer, and uh, sprouts, pound for pound, may have been the most brutal colonists of all. I mean, King Victor Emmanuel, no, King Emmanuel of Belgium, pound for pound, may have been one of the worst tyrants in history in terms of bodies claimed per size of the colonizing nation. As many as two million dead in in the Congo uh, because of Belgium, a tiny little country. So, in contrast with all of those other countries, with the possible ex oh Italy also big colonial power, Somalia is a mess today because it was an Italian colony. Much of the dysfunction in Somalia today is because it uh, of its history as an Italian colony. Now, Britain was not immune to abusing its power as a colonial power. Far from it. I mean, evidence of that. We rebelled against it to form this nation. But pound for pound, as Britain pulled back from being a colonial power, it had a much higher likelihood of leaving behind countries that were capable, to some extent or another, of some form of relatively just self-government. Not always. All kinds of former British colonies turned into hellholes. Uganda being a, a prime example. I mean, Idi Amin was a great Anglophile and a butcher. But the chance of a former British colony being someplace with at least a, a superficial respect for some form of 
democratic process and rule of law is considerably better in former British colonies than in, say, former Dutch, French, Belgian, Portuguese, Italian colonies, Spanish colonies. Spanish colonies may be among the worst of all. Well, Belgian colonies. I mean, look at the last 60 years of history in the Congo, Zaire, whatever they want to call it. A constant bloodbath. That's that's the result of Belgian colonization. You have some horrible things happening in former British colonies, but per capita considerably less. And when you hear bobbleheads like like this particular Mount Holyoke professor saying Britain was uniquely awful in terms of colonizing the world, no. In terms of colonial European powers, they were almost uniquely the least awful. And, of course, you have people on the right also saying, yeah, well, we fought a revolution against a monarchy. True, true we did. But it's one thing monarchy does that we could stand to learn something from. When you have a monarchy, you at least have some notional ability to think in the long term in more than two to six-year cycles. One of the great problems American democracy has right now is that we think in terms of one electoral cycle at a time. Two to four years is really the event horizon for most American politics. There's no long-term reasoning going on in American political thoughts, almost none. There's no point to it. In fact, it's getting worse in many respects. Uh, Not to romanticize the past, but there was a time when elections were about politicians convincing people to vote for them on issues. And today... The consultant class and the politicians they work with make elections more a matter of moving demographic blocks to the polls on purely democratic, uh, I'm sorry, populist, reactionary uh, dog whistles, which is really the worst form of short-term thinking there is. I don't know if there's something we could stand to learn from the British monarchy without adopting a monarchy. It's the idea that perhaps there are things worth looking at that that transcend the two-year cycle, something that the inherent conservatism of a monarchy does foster at least somewhat. Rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, May we see another like you in, in the coming years. Don't know where we'll be right back. International travel is open again. So now is the perfect time for that trip to Israel, the trip of a lifetime. A trip to the Holy Land will bring you face-to-face with one of the most fascinating countries on earth. More than just a vacation, this meaningful trip is your opportunity to enjoy the freedom to travel again. Walking the ancient streets of Jerusalem where Jesus walked, sailing the Sea of Galilee, and floating in the mineral-rich Dead Sea with its healing and rejuvenating power. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza, along with our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, personally invite you to experience Israel with them this November. To book your trip to Israel, log on to StandWithIsraelTour.com. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Then call 855-565-5519 to secure your spot. Call today, 855-565-5519. A champion is someone who goes the extra mile to get the job done. Champion Plumbing wants to empower you to be the champion in your home when it comes to plumbing. 
Go to their YouTube channel for step-by-step videos explaining how to fix common household plumbing issues. Do you have low water pressure? Have you drained your water heater this year? Champion Plumbing has videos to guide you through it. And if you get stuck, they're only a call away. Subscribe to their YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash champion plumbing. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-764-2179. 800-764-2179. That's 800-764-2179. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on credit worthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack barbecue. To do you right, we take time for a barbecue flavor that will blow your mind. Get that Rack Shack attack, oh, Rack Shack barbecue. Make fresh daily cater to you. Homemade sauces, secret rubs too. It's America's food and the right thing to do. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack barbecue. Oh, AM 12A, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. We know meaningful conversation matters to you. That's why you listen to, well, to us every day. We also think you're going to dig our sister station, Freedom 1570. I, I tune in to hear Dana Lash, uh, Ben Shapiro, and many more. It's the perfect companion to AM 12A, The Patriot. Hope you can join us on either station. The 12A, the 1570, two great tastes that taste great together. No, wait, that motto's already taken. Need to come up with I mean, the the format so nice we do it twice. Okay, no one's taken that one yet. I may have to run with that one here. So, anyway, tune in either way. 651-289-4488, the number to call. Let's go to the phones. St. Louis Park. Mark, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. You are on the air. Mitch, again, thanks for taking my call. Just piggybacking on the last segment, just real quick here. Uh, I have a good friend from Malaysia. And he extols the British Commonwealth. He loves the British Empire. Yep. What they did in his country is uh, they modernized the rule of law and set a government. And they harvested uh, palm oil, rubber, and tin, which and also uh, gave them electricity, roads, running water, basically increased the wealth of the country exponentially. Yep. So he has nothing good to say about uh, the Brits. And I'll just hang up and listen. So. That's another side to the story. It absolutely is. And, and, of course, I mean, nobody wants to be a colony. We certainly fought against it. Most most of the former colonies of the British are, I mean, almost almost all of them are independent. But even, even the, for example, India, classic example. India uh, had a pretty acrimonious split. Certainly they were colonized by force. They were colonized by, by, uh, by, by the way, by a, a much smaller force, the, the British like most colonial powers, but the British most of all, were masters at picking out a small minority of tribes that would help them enforce their rule, basically influencing the minority 
to support them against the majority and using that minority to enforce their power over the entire country. And so an absurdly tiny number of Brits were able to control all of what is now India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh on the relative cheap. And, yeah, there was there was a mercantilist, exploitive angle, as uh, Mark points out, in all of these colonies, whether they were India, Malaysia, formerly Malaya, Burma, uh, South Africa, Canada, uh, Australia, to various extents, all the British colonies were there to supply uh, cheap, good, cheap raw materials to the mother country, which would then sell back finished goods to the colonies at a significant profit. Uh, that's an abs- That was an absolute fact, and it happened. And, and by the way, not just cheap uh, goods, but whenever the the empire needed help, uh, relatively cheap people holding rifles. I mean, a good chunk of the British Empire's armed force uh, was from the empire itself. In fact, there's questions to be made, questions to be asked whether the United Kingdom could have won. Uh, without uh, in World War II and to some extent World War I without an awful lot of troops from India. You look at the contribution of the Indian Army to the British war effort, especially in North Africa, Italy, and, uh, and of course, Southeast Asia and South Asia in World War II. It just doesn't add up without an awful lot of Indian troops. And yet, the British Empire left all of most of these colonies, including the big ones, India, Malaysia to a great extent, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, with at least some notion of what the rule of law should do, with some idea uh, that, that, that people are equal before the law and that there's a process uh, to go through, a constitution that governed how government was supposed to, well, govern imperfectly frequently with some great corruption, and on the other hand, sometimes with some extremely astounding results. For example, uh, I mean, we know the big success stories, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, and we know some of the, uh, India to a great extent. I mean, the idea that India would be what it is today without some constitutional framework, as corrupt and inefficient as it is, at least it has that. It is the world's largest democracy, imperfect though it is. Another great example, Botswana. What? No, Botswana. You've never heard of it, probably. It became independent in 1965. It built its economic policy largely around free market capitalism, and it's kept it that way for almost 50 years. It has been an elective democracy the entire time. By South South Saharan African standards, it is quite prosperous. It is better to be a Botswanan citizen than a citizen of almost any South Saharan country outside of South Africa. And that's another whole issue that brings extra nuance to the discussion here. But Botswana has taken that British colonial legacy and turned itself into a free, uh, relatively stable, well, extremely stable by African standards, a country with a democracy that you and I would recognize. I'm not going to say it's the Hong Kong of Africa. It's not rolling in wealth, but compared to Congo or Tanzania or many of the other former colonies of of less in, of even less enlightened colonial powers, they're doing really well. You don't have dictators 
slaughtering the opposition because there are no there have been no dictators since 1965. This happens with British colonies. And by the way, uh, the, the, the left is trying to double down on the idea. I mean, they, they've been there's been condemnation of colonization long before the death of Queen Elizabeth. And now you're starting to see condemnation of how colonial powers decolonized. So they really try to get them both ways. <laughs> One of the countries that was not the worst of the colonial powers, believe it or not, was Germany. Now, they, they, they colonized what we now call Kenya, which went to the U.K. after World War One. They had uh, the city of Qingdao in China, which became a, a British, uh, actually a Japanese possession uh, after World War One. Germany went on to, of course, other infamies in the 1930s and 1940s and, and then has gone on to become one of the world's economic powerhouses, certainly the linchpin of continental Europe for this last 70 years uh, after World War II, where a lot of American and British and French Norwegian boys had to teach Germans to love democracy at gunpoint. They did. And they built themselves a, a country that in some ways, learned the best lessons of America. For example, they take federalism seriously there in a way that the United States could stand to relearn if we want to keep a functioning United country together under current circumstances. Uh, They really get federalism. They get a lot of things right, but over the last 15 years, they've gotten a few things drastically wrong. As I've been trying to tactfully remind some of my friends who are big Angela Merkel fans, I had some friends who, in 2016, said, well, Angela Merkel is now the leader of the free world. It's a good thing, in retrospect, that wasn't true. Of course, we've talked about this on the show in the past. Germany uh, undertook a green experiment with more alacrity than just about any place in the uh, in the civilized world over this past decade and change. And it was already a bit of a disaster even before uh, the the, uh, the the invasion of Ukraine and the attendant cutoff of uh, of gas supplies from Russia, a, a supplies around which Angela Merkel and her administrations built much of the German economy up to and including decommissioning what had been one of the best nuclear power networks in the world, along with France, which, by the way, was not stupid enough to believe that Russian gas was always going to be there to carry them through. A great Twitter thread that came out yesterday from a fellow named Andrew Hamel, uh, who's an American living in Germany. And and I just want to go through some of this here. And and as I do, every time I mention the name Germany or the ethnicity German, fill in Minnesota and Minnesotans. Because not everything's a parallel. But there are parallels, especially given Governor Waltz's uh, and, and the DFL's energy policy, trying to turn Minnesota over to green power, as we've discussed on this show in the past, and the uh, expressed intent to adopt California car standards, up to and including likely mandating nothing but electric cars in this state over the course of the next couple decades. Andrew Hamill, and I quote, I think many Germans don't realize, again, fill in Minnesotans, how the energy crisis directly threatens Germany's future as a prosperous country. Germany has a huge bureaucracy and social welfare apparatus and provides comparatively generous subsidies for the arts. Oy, do they ever. Universities are free, which means the taxpayer pays for them, and lots of vocational training is also heavily subsidized. Oh, it absolutely is. You pass a test, by the way, when you're 10 years old 
to determine which track you're going to take. The university track, the technical school track, going into the military, whatever. Where does the money come from to pay for this? Well, if you ask the typical lefty voter in Germany, they have only or Minnesota, they have only the vaguest idea. Big companies and the rich people in modernist villas who always turn out to be the real killer on German crime shows or American crime shows. I'm talking about you, Law & Order. As the German media do a terrible job conveying the basic principles of economics and management to viewers and listeners, so most Germans who aren't engineers, or Minnesotans, who aren't engineers or executives or factory workers or otherwise directly involved in producing goods don't really understand where Germany's wealth comes from. But no, the only reason Germany can afford all these deadweight investments, <laughs> uh, boy, there, there's, a, there's a Minnesota parallel. These deadweight investments, which don't yield any returns or only indirect general time-delayed returns, is because Germany makes things people want to buy. That's what brings the money in. Germany doesn't have many natural resources, at least that it's willing to recover. <laughs> boy, there's a parallel. So these don't bring in the cash. Uh, Germany's exports are the main, nearly the only source of its wealth. BMWs, Audis, Glocks, you get the point. Germany has much higher manufacturing costs than many other, than many other comparable countries, and the only way it can keep competitive is through its well-educated workforce, its efficiency, its high technology, and high quality. That's what generates enough value added to make it worthwhile to produce something in Germany than in, say, Hungary or China or the U.S. or even Russia, where input costs are all cheaper. Now, what does this mean to Germany and Minnesota? We'll follow up on that when we come back. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. Nothing to do with energy happens in isolation. We'll be right back. AM 1280, The Patriot. Salmon fishing in Alaska at an amusement park in Green Bay or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Stream AM 1280, The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. What you don't know about your home can cost you. Access to in-depth data is gold when buying or selling your home. With Onerly.com, you get the information the pros use. Real estate investors and agents would rather keep this to themselves. Unlike other real estate websites, Onerly.com delivers much more detailed information about a property. Knowledge is power. Need a home valuation? Get up to three with Onerly.com. Go for the gold. Visit Onerly.com. That's O-W-N-E-R-L-Y.com. Onerly.com. Paid for by Onerly. 
Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted on the job each year, leading to injuries and death. This is the reality they deal with when making contact with the public. Another reality is that if someone doesn't comply with a lawful order or uses force against them, police may have to use sufficient force in response to obtain compliance. Use of force is always ugly. Nobody likes it, especially police, and nobody knows how it will turn out. Spread the word. For de-escalation to work, both parties must de-escalate. And de-escalation isn't necessary if there is no escalation. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer. Whether it's getting asked a question, getting a citation, or getting arrested, don't argue, don't resist, don't flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now, complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org. Have you lost your gun rights due to an old criminal offense? Have you been denied a permit to carry or a purchase of a firearm? I'm attorney Kelly Keegan, and I can help. Schedule a free consultation at keeganlawoffice.com. That's K-E-E-G-A-N lawoffice.com. AM 12A, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, my band, Elephant in the Room. Uh, coming out to a brand new bar for us, Clay's Bar and Grill in Rockford, Friday night, seven to eleven. I'm looking forward to be, being there. If you're out in the Western Burbs, and by the way, I could say the far Western Burbs, it, it's out there. It's about uh, thirty miles west of my house, probably about fifteen miles west of four ninety four. Either way, just off of Highway fifty five, just north of the Dollar General on the west side of Rockford. Come on out. We're going to have a great time. First time out there. It's the garlic burgers to kill for. I will say that right now. I hope you can join us. Elephant in the Room live at Clay's in Rockford. uh, Friday night, 7 to 11. Be there. Uh, Go to elephantintherooband.com for more details. Anyway, we're talking about Germany and how the energy, the, the, the complete collapse of Angela Merkel's energy policy with the invasion of Ukraine and the cutting off of gas supplies from Russia to Western Europe is devastating the German uh, the, the German idea of a social democracy. And, and I love that. I want to make sure that people know about this example because it illustrates the extent to which social democracy, in other words, democracy, but with lots of social spending. Forget about socialism. Social democracy depends on everything going perfectly. If things don't go perfectly, everything falls apart, as Andrew Hummel uh, says. who says Germany's uh, prosperity for the last 70 years, given its extremely high labor costs, is based on being able to sell extremely high-quality goods at a, at a premium. That's the whole thing that generates value to make it worthwhile to produce something in Germany. But as the energy crisis has potential to nearly or completely destroy that competitive advantage— when energy costs are nearly triple what they are in competitive countries such as the United States, Romania, or China, German efficiency and technical quality and brand reputation can make up for that. That's why people buy BMWs and Audis and Glocks and Sig Sauer's. But when energy costs rise to 10 times or even 15 times those of competitive countries and the markets become convinced that it's a lasting situation, Germany becomes unsustainable. It becomes impossible to manufacture high-value-added products for a profit within Germany or Minnesota. Uh, This may be designed, uh, the products may end up being designed in Germany, but they're not going to be made there. It'll just be too expensive. 
period. There's no way to make the numbers work out when the energy prices are that high. And this leads to long-term erosion of the tax base. And social democracy, like in Germany or Minnesota, depends on having a big tax base. Gradually, says Andrew Hamill, uh, the money dries up for things which aren't vital to the survival of the country. And what are those things vital to the survival of the country? Massive government subsidies to make energy and food affordable to the average person, which is where much of the budget of many developing countries goes right now to subsidies on diesel and wheat and rice, which let ordinary people be able to pay for their artificially reduced bills. Also in Japan, by the way. Half of the time you read about riots in places like Indonesia or Egypt or, or in, in Sri Lanka this past few weeks, the cause is government being forced to reduce subsidies on food and energy, often by a mandate from the International Monetary Fund. Uh, this is exactly, by the way, what happened in, 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 in uh, Sri Lanka. Once Germany reaches the point where it has to subsidize energy and food to present social unrest, Something about it, uh, something it's about to start doing as we speak. It was on the news earlier today. Then money for non-essential things starts to dry up. Those things include general welfare, generous uh, well social benefits, art subsidies, free education, generous pensions. Uh, there will be even more privatizations, and many art institutions will just simply go out of business. Train travel, the coolest way to go through Germany, might become something reserved even more for the well-off since subsidies keep the Deutsche Bahn even remotely affordable will disappear. Same with light rail, by the way, here in the Twin Cities. And number two, the average German consumer will not have enough disposable income to pay for something that's not subsidized, like a train ticket. Universities will gradually wither on the vine unless they introduce tuition fees, unthinkable for Germans, where they consider higher education a right if you get a good enough score on a test when you're 10. Even then, they'll shut down entire degree programs which don't channel graduates into well-paying jobs. Goodbye, humanities. By the way, sorry to the regional symphony orchestras, which are wonderful in Germany. They can't afford to subsidize them anymore. Bye-bye, small museums. You're going to be becoming an Aldi. That was a German company, by the way. Sorry, second oldest church in Happelshausen. There's no money to maintain you anymore. We can just barely afford the first oldest church, which we have to keep up because it's a tourist attraction. We are desperate for every tourist dollar. It's a great place to be a tourist, by the way. And all those state-funded street workers and night buses providing basic assistance to the growing numbers of homeless. Sorry, you have to get your money elsewhere. And then Germany will find itself uh, in, in the same trap many developing countries find themselves in. It will lack the productive industries needed to support the subsidies, which it must continue paying to avoid social chaos. It will go further and further into the red, and it will need help from outside entities, kind of like Greece has been doing from Germany for the last 10 years. And those entities will point out that the only way out of the red is to cut the subsidies for basic survival, which Germany won't be able to do without plunging millions of people into genuine, real, not-enough-food-to-eat poverty in Germany, which will survive, of course, but it'll keep getting steadily poorer and poorer. And that's very bad for our country's mental health, since humans regret what they've lost more bitterly than they regret what they can't get in the first place. Deaths of despair will increase, as they did in Russia in the 1990s, even more so since the Germans have forsaken religion more than most countries in the West. This is why the energy crisis poses a grave threat to Germany's future as a prosperous country. There's still a way to avert it, 
but certainly not with the strategies currently favored by the administration. We'll see whether the EU or the EU can pull a rabbit out of a hat. I, says Andrew Hamel, am not optimistic. And by the way, we heard on the top of the hour news that German government is as if on cue doing exactly what it needs to cement this lack of optimism. They're shutting down their last three nuclear plants anyway. They're going to convert to coal. They're going to try to convert to imported liquefied natural gas, which is better than nothing. But their energy prices are not going to triple. They are going to go up by likely, not at all improbably, an order of magnitude in coming years. And boy, if there's anything that should concern you is Germans, when their economy goes bad, tend to react badly. It's a lesson of history. Don't let the Germans wonder where their next meal is coming from. This makes things go awry very quickly in living memory. At any any point in that last piece that I read by, by Andrew Hommel, fill in Minnesota, because we depend on cheap energy and high-value uh, markups for our products and services as well, no less than Germany does. That's the whole point of being a high-tax, high-service society, which the DFL is proud to say Minnesota is. Getting this yet? Thanks for tuning in. Jack Tom's at next. God bless you all. God bless America. Often the size of the fish grows each time you tell the story. The roller coaster gets a little taller, and the starry night sky gets even starrier. That's because the magic of some Minnesota moments is hard to put into words. The memories that become part fact, part feeling, but 100% real. Plan your dream trip at exploreminnesota.com. Sponsored by Explore Minnesota Tourism. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. When should you start collecting your Social Security? How you answer this question will be the difference in the success or failure of your retirement. Tune in to Money Matters with Alan Mike this week. They'll be sharing Social Security tips from the basics of the program to strategies to maximize your payments. Alan Mike will help you sort out this important but often misunderstood part of your retirement income plan. Listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, noon Saturday on AM 1280 The Patriot, or call them now at 855-231-6010. Warning, warning, warning. Once you taste the Rack Shack's Patriot Burger, other burgers will never measure up. Hey, I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and we've partnered with my friend Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue to create a burger worthy of the Patriot name. It's a half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through. American cheese on top, and the American flag proudly waves over the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our delectable sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Best burger in town as far as I'm concerned, and it's $12.80 anytime, any day. Try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue at the Cedar Cliff Center at Nichols and Cliff in Egan. Be careful. Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack. Rack Shack Barbecue. Oh, yeah. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? Computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. 
Home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year. With an A-plus BBB rating and a top-rated home warranty company on Consumer Affairs and Trustpilot, ARW Home provides superior service, featuring the industry's lowest service call fee. ARW Home has warranty plans that cover your kitchen and laundry appliances heating and air conditioning systems, electrical and plumbing systems, and much more. Call 800-942-1451 to customize your plan. Plus, ARW has partnered with Azurian to protect your new and used tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-942-1451 for your free quote. That's 800-942-1451. AM 12. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.